I'll remind you just quickly, 2 Timothy is the last book in the, in the, the letter that Paul, the apostle Paul wrote. It's his last letter that he wrote. He's in jail as he's writing this letter. There's a bunch of teaching that I've been teaching over the past weeks. Go, you can go to the website and go to those sermons and you can go check those out, okay? Um, but I'm not gonna spend a lot of time recapping. I'm just gonna finish us off here, okay? So first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter four, I'm gonna read it, then I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna try to unpack it a little bit for us today, okay? I charge you in the presence of God. So Paul is talking to Timothy here. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. We say that here at the dwelling quite a bit when we profess the Apostles' Creed. That Jesus, who's the, he's gonna, the judge of the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, here's what I want you to pay attention to, Timothy. Preach the word in, and preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will Google search stuff and YouTube stuff. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For, notice that, that word for there, in the Greek that's a word called gar, that's a connector, a connection word that connects us to what was just said, to now what's being said here, that's going to be important for my message, for I am already, Paul is saying this of himself, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon. He kind of switches gears here a little bit. He like switches back into second gear. Do your best to come to me soon. For Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens, who's gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. He's dropping some very specific details here. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. That's interesting because him and Mark had a disagreement earlier on in the book of Acts. I find that fascinating. You know, when the, when the end of life is drawing near, some of the things that really mattered to you early on don't matter so much anymore. That's interesting to me. Bring Mark, though, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I've sent to Ephesus, and when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Treos. Also the books, and above all, bring the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, Timothy, for he strongly opposed our message. Be careful with that guy. At my first defense, no one came by to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. 
To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come to me before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord, now watch this, the Lord be with your spirit. That your there is singular in the Greek. The Lord be with your spirit, but then he says, grace be with y'all. That you is plural. With y'all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I'm excited to preach it and share what's on uh, my heart this morning with, with your people. And I pray that this word would now come and feed us. Speak to us the things you want to speak to us, Lord. Help us to hear, not just with our ears, but with our hearts. God, I pray that this church would not be focused on a band, that we wouldn't be focused on a pastor like Seth, that we wouldn't be focused on the donuts and the coffee, that we wouldn't be focused on anything but you. And I pray that you would help me now, Jesus, to, to really get behind you so that you can be the one that emerges as our focus and our worship this morning, to hear from you, Jesus. That's what we want to do. Help me with that, God. Um, help me to just get you to your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, Paul's impending death is shaping his response at the end of this letter. He knows that he is about to uh, die. Now, not necessarily immediately. He, he, he's asking Timothy to come and visit him, and that's going to be a bit of a journey. So he doesn't think like tomorrow he's going to necessarily die, although that could happen. Um, but he recognizes that he's going to be dying soon, and he's sensing that. I'm being poured out uh, already. I'm being poured out, and I'm about to go and receive the, the crown of righteousness. And that idea is, is shaping him. The fact that he's nearing the end is shaping how he's thinking and how he's talking to Timothy. He's already grounded this letter in the gospel. I want to take you back to chapter 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who God has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He's already grounded this early on, and I've been preaching this the past couple of weeks. He's grounded this whole letter in the gospel, the grace of God, the death of Jesus on behalf of Timothy and the church and on behalf of you and me. He's grounded it in the resurrection of Jesus. You can see this. I don't have it on the screen, but in chapter 2, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, verse 8 of chapter 2. He's, he's grounding this whole letter in the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive and he's rocking and rolling kind of thing. And he's coming, he saved Timothy and he's saved you and he saved me. This is what he grounds it in. But now as he's nearing the end of this letter, he begins to point and kind of focus attention forward on the return of Christ. 
And he draws our attention now and draws Timothy's attention to the return of Christ. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to return. And he says soon. Now, soon seems a little odd as you reflect on the past 2,000 years. And yet we know that to Jesus, that is soon. And so we can expect Jesus to return now any day. Or in 200 years. I don't know which one but soon. Jesus is coming back. And, and Paul has this thought. He says, we're going to face the judge. But as I face the judge, I'm in love with that idea. I love the idea of the appearing of the judge. Now, how many of you, don't raise your hand probably, because that might give stuff away. How many of you have ever appeared before a judge and loved it? I mean, I'm thinking of maybe some people who, you know, adopted somebody or maybe you won a case or something like that. I could see maybe some love of standing before a judge kind of things. But probably most of our standing before judge experiences are less than exciting moments, right? You go before a judge, even in your mind, you initially just think of all the stuff you must have done to get before the judge. And now Paul draws our attention to Jesus coming back to judge the living and the dead, and I love that idea. I love his appearing. How can you love the idea of going before the judge? Now, Paul has an understanding of what this is going to look like, and so that's what I want to just share with you for a second. Paul understands that the judge, Jesus, has already come to actually take the punishment for your crime. So you're broken, you're sinful, you do things that are contrary to the word of God, you do things that are against what God would have for you, and yet it was Jesus who came, and he took that punishment that you were deserving of. He, he took your sentence, yours, mine, the, the, the whole cumulative all of, of all of us, the whole, the, of the whole world, Jesus went to the cross, and he paid the price for that. So now as the judge comes... As the judge is now coming, Paul knows that the, the price for his penalties has been paid for. And he knows that it's the judge who's done that. And so you kind of can't imagine a scenario now where the judge is coming who's actually paid the price for you. And so you kind of want to see that guy. I don't know why. Maybe to just say thanks? Maybe that's it? Thank you? Holy smokes? Are you kidding me? And Paul is saying, I long for that. I love the idea of Jesus coming back. How many of us love the idea of Jesus coming back this afternoon? Yeah? Okay, fair enough. Seven of you. 
cool. You know, isn't there a country song like that? I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight, or something like that. How does that go? Yeah, yeah is that it? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I want to go to heaven, but maybe, you know, a couple of years, let me, let me do my thing, God. Paul is saying here, I love the appearing of Jesus, and, and that, that in him is shaping him. I want you to see that. It's actually doing something to shape how he's going to respond and live. Uh, recently, just this past week, just this past week, uh, a guy that I follow, a, a pastor, he's a pastor in, uh, in New York, a guy named Tim Keller. I've quoted him here quite a bit because I've read some of his stuff. He actually died this past week. And, and um, so I've been kind of just, you know, watching some of his stuff and watching some of some of what's been said about him. But the, I think it was the day before he died, he said this, this quote. He says, I'm ready to see Jesus. I cannot wait to see Jesus. Send me home. He's dying of pancreatic cancer, and, and then the next day he died. And as far as I can find, his last words that he said to his wife, Kathy, was this. There is no downside for me leaving. Not in the slightest. That's the kind of mentality that's in love with the appearing of Jesus. That's the kind of faith that's, I want that. Like, I want to be with him. I want him to be with me. I recognize I've fallen short. I've recognized I've messed up. I recognize I got to go stand before the judge, but the judge has paid the price for me already. He stepped in on my behalf, and so now I can actually, I'm, I'm forgiven. And that is for every single person in the room today. And so the separation, I mean, now you got to kind of know your Bible a little bit, so if you're, if you're new to the faith or something, just give me two seconds here. I'm not going to explain this to you, but in the Bible, there's a story of the separation of the sheep and the goats. That separation will be based on faith in Christ and not faith in Christ. See? It's not like all the people who just were for, he went to the cross for those people and he didn't go for those people. No. He went to the cross for everybody. For everybody. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how broken you are. No, but if you really knew what I did. Well, Jesus does know what you really did. And he went to the cross even for you. So this is shaping. This is, by the way, this as your pastor, this is my greatest, uh, this is my greatest longing is this little section of scripture for you that you would fight the good fight, that you'd finish the race and keep the faith. That if there's one thing that I want for you, like more than anything, is to get you across the finish line. That's what I want to do. I, I really do. I, I want you to want that for each other. I want to get us across the finish line. And it's, it's Jesus who's done all that. I, I mean, 
It really is. He, he's won the victory. He's fought the fight on your behalf. But as we go through life, I want to just continue to walk this out where we're helping each other get to the spot where Paul is saying, I long for the appearing of the judge. I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. That's what I want for you more than anything else. Listen, the return of Jesus, this is my first kind of well, second-ish point. I don't know how many points I have today. But the return of Jesus shapes our response to Jesus. Knowing that Jesus is going to return, knowing that you'll stand before the judge, that begins to shape our response to Jesus. And how that we start to see this from the text is we see Timothy's response or how he's supposed to respond. We see Paul respond, and then my last thing here is gonna be how we respond. Look at Timothy. Paul comes to Timothy, and he's basically handing off the baton here. Isn't he? He's saying, I'm gonna start handing this baby off to you now, Timothy, and others, and and you guys are gonna continue to now Put into practice and do the things you saw me do. We saw that in chapter one and chapter two. You're going to start doing the stuff that you saw me do. You're going to teach the stuff that I'm teaching. We're going to continue to do this until Jesus returns. He hands the baton off to him. And then he begins to give him specific direction on how running hard is going to look. Look at these nine imperatives that you can find in verse 2 and 5. Here's the nine imperatives. Preach the word. uh, Be ready in season and out of season. These are all in the Greek imperatives. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That kind of challenged me a little bit this past week. With complete patience, I got to teach, Lord. As for you, be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of a... Uh, you and, uh, the, the Greek word there is one who brings good news. One who brings good news. At my ordination service seven years ago... The only thing I can remember out of all the things that were said, all the Bible passage read, all the stuff, the only thing I can remember from my ordination service is a pastor that was laying hands on me from a little country church down the road who said, do the work of an evangelist. That's the only thing that sticks out to me. Do the work of an evangelist. That, for some reason, for Seth Kunze, that I'm really latched onto that, but fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Those nine imperatives he's telling to Timothy I want you to go and do these things. Put them into practice. Not so that you can get to heaven. See, these commands are rooted in all the other gospel stuff that he's already brought out in the text. It's kind of like the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, people always think of the Ten Commandments as like, and I've preached this here at the dwelling, so if you're hearing this for the fifth time, it's okay, just stick with me. But the Ten Commandments we always think of as like, you know, God saying it with the Sean Connery voice. You shall not do that or something. I don't know how he does it. Isn't that how he is? You shall have no other gods before me. Uh, 
But what we forget is that even the Ten Commandments are rooted in the gospel. How, do the, how does that, I always teach this to my kids, how do the Ten Commandments start? The Ten Commandments start with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. That's how they start. I've brought you out of Egypt. You're my children. I saved you. I love you. I got you through the little Red Sea thing. I brought you out. You're, you're free. Now, this is what the life of a child of mine is going to look like. Don't have any other gods before me. Of course you're not going to do that. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Of course you wouldn't do that. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Don't Honor your father and mother. All the stuff. See, that's what Paul is doing here is he's saying... Timothy, God loves you like crazy. You've grown up in the faith. All the stuff, the scriptures have taught you stuff. The, uh, your, your grandmother, your mother have taught you things. You're rooted in Christ. And then he's saying, and these nine things, I want you to go and put this stuff into practice. Why? Because Jesus, notice this, he actually connects that section that he talks to Timothy with that verse six, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He's connecting that to that next section, which is all about the return of Christ. Jesus's return is why we're going to do these nine things. Not to get him to come back, not to make it so when he comes back, he's happy. No, the cross does that. Because Paul recognizes that people are going to start getting all stuff all twisted up. People are going to start jumping on YouTube and getting them, getting stuff to say anything we wanted to say. I kind of tested it out this week. I, I was like, I'm going to go see if I can get somebody to agree with me that when I die, I turn into a tree or something like that. That's kind of what I was searching. So I was like, I'm going to go find something. And it was amazed, you know, I was amazed at how it took me down this kind of path of listening to kind of a guru, I would probably say Hindu of sorts teacher who is teaching reincarnation and you can, you know, when you die, you come back as something else and then you'll come back as something else, come back as something else. So if I want to have this feeling that when I die, you know, I'm going to return somehow as something maybe more beautiful or something, I can get on YouTube and I can find somebody that has kind of a following and seems to have some authority and get them to say what I want said. You can do that. You can get stuff to say whatever you want it to say. Does that not just scare you? That freaks me out. That makes me even think, okay, where have I done that in my life? And then I just clutch this more and more and more. And then I'm also wanting to spend more and more time with other Christians who can kind of help me sort this thing out. But so many of us were not clutching and looking to walk with some people. Instead, we're like, oh, what's YouTube got to say about this thought here? I wonder when Jesus is coming back. Oh, that's what 666 means. Oh, that's what this means. Oh, really? I got to be watching the news more. And all of a sudden, you're not focused on Jesus at all. And when you're not focusing on Jesus, I know who's behind that. That's not the work of the Spirit then. Now we can know for certain that's the work of the enemy. 
And it doesn't seem that dangerous. It doesn't seem crazy. I'm just at my desk. You do. I'm just a couple minutes of something. And I just start to get a little bit freaked out about that. And that's why Paul says here, these are the things I want you to do. So it's shaping Timothy, how Paul says he wants Timothy to respond. Notice how it's shaping Paul's response. Paul recognizes Jesus is coming back. Paul recognizes he's probably going to be dying soon. That starts to shape his response. What's his response? He just keeps pressing on. Paul here, this last little section, which most people, if you're reading 2 Timothy, you're just going to glance over that. I looked at that in a fresh new way this week. And here's what, here's what I saw. I saw Paul, <laughs> like at a control center, like, a, like in, a, in a chair, just saying, okay, we're going to go plant a church over here. We're going to go to this over here. We're, go make sure you say hi to those people over there. Go say hi to this person. Make sure you encourage this person. Make sure you watch out for this person over here because they gave me a lot of problems and they're against the gospel. Go say hi to Bill. Go say hi to Bob. Boom, boom, boom. And he just keeps going. And I want you to notice where he is when he's saying all this. Paul is in prison. He's in a jail cell. And yet he keeps pressing. He keeps pressing in. It's like one of those runners, like my wife, she's a cross-country runner. And when you see the cross-country runners, people run around the little track thing, which is crazy to me that people do that still. I can see how you'd run, you know, one, one group of people would run cross-country and then that'd be it. But people year after year keep doing it. It's amazing. As you see, thanks, Tina, for the little laugh. Uh, as you see them running around, though, at the very end, the last circle that they go like around the loop, what do they do? Do they slow down? No, they speed up. And all of a sudden, they like put the jet boosters on and they go even harder at the very end. And I was just like, man, that's almost like what we're seeing Paul do. He's in prison. He's got all these circumstances around him that would say, ah, just, you know, coast, man, just give a little bit for yourself. Let, let some people just take care of you for a little while. But instead, the guy steps on the gas. My dad is constant. And my dad's just a lumber salesman. He was nothing special in ministry. But my dad always says, even to this day, he texts our family text. He'll say stuff like, take your foot off the brake. Step on the gas today. Let's go. My dad always says, pitter patter, let's get at her. I kind of like that. I almost put that on the screen, but I don't know how to spell it. Pitter patter, let's get at her. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We got stuff to do. Let's keep moving. Step on the spiritual gas today. Now I get it. There's times of rest. There's times to go up on the mountain and just be all that stuff. Don't try to get ahead of God, behind God. I get all that. All I'm just saying is there's something about what I'm seeing here with Paul stepping on the gas at the end and saying he's going to keep pushing hard. And, and although his circumstances, he's in jail, you'd think, I can't do very much here. God can do even immeasurably more than what he can imagine. You might be in some rough circumstances right now, but God can still use you. What does that look like to be sitting in a nursing home? Be 
praying for people. You know, Jacqueline and I, over the years, we have intentionally tapped at times people who are kind of incapacitated, like just, they, they can't do much anything else. And oftentimes, we'll seek those people out and say, will you pray for us? Man, who, who do I want praying for me? I want some old lady in a nursing home somewhere praying for me. You think you can't be sitting in a, in, a, in a nursing home doing kingdom impact like crazy? I'll bet you there's more stuff taking place in the kingdom of God from nursing homes, little old ladies who are praying every day than Seth up in his office thinking I'm making stuff happen. I don't know. All I'm saying is, that's just, you see what I'm, you following me for a second there? All I'm saying is, whatever our circumstances might be, man, what can God do? How can we join him in what he's doing? We all have challenging circumstances. We all have situations and stuff going on. We all got the time stuff. We all got the family stuff. We all got the relationship stuff. We all got all the stuff. We all do. How can we be joining Jesus in what he's doing? Rooted in the gospel and rooted in what God has done for us. And then look at what Paul says here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. I love that. Just yet again, one last little gospel kind of thought there for Paul, almost encouraging himself with this idea. I'm gonna go press really hard, but it's not based off my works that is gonna be then this great thing to get into the heaven. What it's gonna be is Jesus is gonna do this. Jesus is accomplishing this, so it frees me up to do ministry Watch this, follow this. I say this so often, but you can never hear this enough. When we understand that, that we have been saved by grace through faith, it frees me up to now serve and love and care for the people around me and press really hard and run the race really hard and sprint till the end and actually do it loving them and serving them. Because as soon as you're doing it in order to earn points with God, who are you actually serving? Who are you actually loving? Yourself. See, it's only with the gospel. It's an only an understanding of what Jesus has done for you that it'll actually empower you to be able to love and care and serve the people around you freely. And that's what we see Paul doing. The last thing here is how will we respond? I want you to notice there in verse 22, Paul says, the Lord be with your spirit. He's talking to Timothy, but then I love this. Grace be with y'all. This is a letter meant to be read by Timothy, but we get signaled here that this would be a letter that's meant to be read by more and heard by more than just Timothy. And as soon as you finish that y'all, because everything in here is like in the singular, it's all this idea of to Timothy, to Timothy, to Timothy. And then you read that last line and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to go reread that thing because now I want to see how it's talking to me. And so then you go back through 2 Timothy and it's like, oh my gosh, this is all for me too. This is all for you too. Today, how will you respond? to the good news of what Jesus has done for you? How will you respond to the fact that Jesus is coming back soon? 
how will you respond to the good news that the judge has actually sentenced himself to death, sentenced himself to the penalty of your sin, and made it so that you could walk free, to be at peace with God, Paul would say in Romans. How will you respond to that today if you're a Christian and you've been following him for decades? How will you respond today if you're an atheist or you're agnostic or you're a skeptic? How will you respond today if you're in a spot of just, you you have no hope in your life? How will you respond if you're afraid of death? How will we respond today if we're sick and we're, how will we respond today if if there's, there's a bunch of good stuff going on in my life but I sense it's taking me off track and from focusing on Jesus. How will we respond? How will we respond? Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That is what I, I hope I don't have to do all y'all's funerals. But that's what I want to say over each of your funerals. They fought the good fight. They finished the race. They've kept the faith. And then God is going to reward them with the crown of righteousness, his righteousness, that we get, that he, from him, that we get awarded with on that day. Our God is so gracious. Isn't that just amazing? He awards us? Huh? That doesn't even make sense. But that's how much he loves you. That's what he's done for you. That's what he promises to do for you. Wow. May we respond at least, at least today, at least, a bare minimum, May you respond with thanks to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we really are thankful for your incredible work and activity in our life. We're we're eternally thankful. We are eternally thankful, Lord. And we just receive it. We receive it today by faith. We're amazed, Lord, that you would want to do this for us. Lord, I thank you that you're going to return one day. I know in me, in my flesh, I have some anxiety still about that. I have some still like natural feelings of like, ooh, what's that going to look like? That kind of makes me a little nervous. And so I just pray that you would continue to sanctify even that part of me. Lord, we want to be longing and loving the idea of your return. And your spirit in us, I pray that you would draw us deeper into that reality. Please draw us deeper into that, Lord. And we, we pray, like, like Paul said there, Lord, we pray that same prayer of you're going to, you will rescue us from every evil deed and you will bring us safely into your kingdom. Holy cow. We pray that prayer. Trusting it's true. 
Not because of anything in us, but because of you, Jesus, what you have done for us. We're amazed and we're thankful. We are so thankful. Lord, if we've been a Christian for 30 years, we're thankful. If we're an atheist in the room and we've been had our eyes open to see the amazing gift of what you've done for us, we're thankful. If we're if we came into the room today fearful and anxious, we're thankful. We receive. We're just thankful. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.